That's how you do it. Welcome back to Sunder Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, and we are struggling today. Oh, my um, God. It's kind of, a, kind of a theme lately, sitting here with the, uh, Dr. Frank Schultz. We've been bullshitting for a while now and uh, thought we were recording. We the, but at least the half hour mark. We were thought we were recording, and uh, apparently we weren't doing very much recording. Oh, um, it's like listening to myself talk now. I hate, we're like, where do you start? We've just talked about fishing for a long time. Yeah. Well, we could hit a little bit of the fishing and then just move on to what, I don't, you can't, you can't, you can't remake gold like that, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> you just can't recreate it. Uh, well, so, we started out by letting everybody know that we're sitting six feet apart. Yep. Yep, sitting sitting a solid six feet apart, and uh, Frank's a doctor, so yeah. So if anybody so gets we're sick, pretty, we're pretty don't safe. Don't call me. Yeah, don't call Frank. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're here sitting here, you know, amidst the whole coronavirus stuff, uh, having some corona, having some, <laughs> and we were uh, we were talking. We we went ice fishing ice fishing well last week, kind of closing out the ice fishing for the spring, and uh, tried to record or recorded a podcast there, but it ended up I turned accidentally didn't have Matt's channel turned on or some shit like that, and, and then uh, couldn't hear couldn't hear, couldn't each, hear other. each other, and we we're sitting a ways apart, and everyone's catching fish, so it was just a wreck. It was a train wreck. Mm, the podcast it. part of it, the fishing was a lot of fun. The fishing was absolutely amazing. It's almost like deja vu. Now to talk about, talk about <laughs> this again, Jesus. Like, uh, like. Yeah, like, we can do the. What abri- didn't we talk about? I don't know. Well, um, I mean, we talked about definitely finishing. There was it was definitely the, it was the last ice fishing trip of the season out there for sure because. It's finally got to the point where the weather tipped over and uh, shit's melting quick, and there was a lot, a lot of water on top of the ice, and uh, a got lot. A, it got a little sloppy coming back. And Frank discovered a newfound joy for w- water, water skipping the old skidoo. It is a lot of fun. Thing rips in the water. <laughs> yeah. It makes me think like I need to break it out in the summer sometime. Like a real shallow pond. Yeah. Just have a little fun for the afternoon. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to do it in a lake. No. You They're would... too expensive to lose one of those things underwater. But they go like hell on the water. It's unbelievable. Which, and what we talked about was like you got two and a half inch paddles on the thing. And it, I mean, it looks like a jet ski. Yeah. Those new sleds, they almost look just like jet skis. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's designed to... Well, especially sleds like that that are de- designed to do really well in, in like soft powder and shit like that. Right. It's like a boat, like you get it on step. Yeah. And well, and that's just it too. Is if your skis end up even in the powder, it's got that you know underneath. It's got like a cowling underneath yep. the whole bottom of the thing. That if your skis go through, that whole thing just slides right on the Planes, snow super yeah. easily. Yeah. So. 
There's definitely no steering in water, though. No. It's like all lean. That lean and counter steer a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Where you turn, because a lot of people don't realize that, like, you know, snow machine, like soft stuff, you steer, you want to turn Opposite left. Opposite direction. You turn, you steer right and lean, lean left. left. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I got a got a pretty sweet video of those guys. <laughs> I had just skipped across, and then uh, and Frank decided he had to get another run for it and went back and peeled the hole because it was the middle of the river was all, you know, I mean, in the middle, probably knee-deep water on top of the ice and uh, came peeling around, and Nick had to follow you, and Frank goes zooming by, and I'm thinking, well, I heard your your throttle, like, change pitch a little bit. I'm like, don't lift off the throttle. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and then Nick comes by and, like, you see, like, you just you hear a sled going, and he's like, comes to a stop and steam. I'm it's like, so oh, funny. It makes me laugh every time belt. I watch the video. You're like, it's like you're giving commentary, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, he smoked his belt. <laughs> <laughs> it's too freaking funny. <laughs> I could only laugh about that because I had done the same thing. I had done the same thing twice getting out of there. You know, pulling my pulling my sled like it'll go, and you can freaking churn through some pretty good slop. But as soon as that belt gets wet, it's game over. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing how quickly. Like, it'd be interesting to see. Like, I wonder how mine doesn't get water in it, and why those sleds are getting water in them. Is it is it because I have that cowling on the bottom there that i don't know what they call that well like mine the, like a tub i mean yeah. mine, like mine has that too but it's i you know i don't know where the water came from whether i got a piece of slush that popped in the hole in the front up higher and got water on the belt yeah, or yeah i can see yeah or if i just wasn't you know i couldn't maintain that much you know towing a sled full of slush and water and yeah auger and, gear and, and, and you know i couldn't i couldn't in a smaller track i couldn't maintain the kind of speed to Really just kind of give her the old, mine's a four-stroke, so I got no brap. <laughs> yeah, there's no brap in that thing. But uh, no, it was a freaking su- super good time. Be- definitely the best day of pike fishing this year. I know you were saying that was like one of your, it's probably you the still best. say one of your top five like fishing days ever? Oh, top five of my life fishing days, yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder what day it kicked off the top five. Yeah, I don't know. But... It was the the best day of ice fishing that I've ever had, hands down, and right there, top five best overall fishing days I've ever had. And like I told you when you we, said that, I was like, "That's a lot of fishing days." It is a lot of fishing days. These guys give me shit because I'm older than all of them. <laughs> I caught more fish than <laughs> I said something to Nick this winter. He's like, "We went out lake trout fishing, and he and his wife had fished." the day before in holes that were two feet apart and he caught one fish. He caught all the fish in her hole. <laughs> so we went back the next day. He called me up. He's like, you want to go fishing? I was like, yeah, sure. So we went and he's like, I'll give you the hot hole. Steph caught all the fish in that <laughs> hole. So we fished for probably, this is a little further back, you know, in the winter. It was We didn't have near as much light as we do now. Yeah. So we fished for probably four hours or five hours or something like that. I got one bite, missed it, and he caught seven Lakers. Jeez. Two feet away from where I was fishing. Yeah. At a certain point, he's like, just throw this on. This is what I'm using. We're using the same damn jig right next to each other, and I'm not getting shit. Not even getting bites, and he's just ripping lips. 
So we cruised back, loaded the sled up, and we're driving back to town. He's like, man, I feel so bad. That sucks. And I was like, dude, you can't catch up. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I was like, it's not the end of the world. He was like, I probably caught more lake trout before you were even born than you've caught yet. <laughs> So I thought that was funny. I was like, dude, don't worry about it. I'm just in it, you know? It's a, in my mind, it's about getting out. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. Doing, doing well, stuff. Well, and you never and know, out, like, having fun with friends. Well, same thing telling, like, the first time me and Matt went pike fishing this winter, I caught probably 25 fish or something like that. And it was mm-hmm. a slow day. He caught three. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're changing, like, like, you know, change up. We're fishing next to each other, farther apart, right. swapping holes, you know, just how it works sometimes. And you wonder, it's like, got to be such, like, who the hell knows? Because I know that I changed, I bent my hook and I started, I tried to bend it back, but it still had a weird kink in it. Yeah. And holy shit, I started hooking fish so much easier. Oh, with, with that bent, offset with that hook just a little offset bit. Offset a little bit, just bent out of whack, just a little tiny bit. It seemed to hook up way easier. And that's on the pi- on the pike on that spoon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, it was nuts. I mean, and kind of like we, you know, of course, like round two. Is that thing about recording? It is recording now. I keep checking okay, it. Right. Uh, yeah. Not feeling too great about myself now. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm just making sure that we're doing not. It's already hard enough to talk about this again. We just got done yeah. this whole conversation <laughs> about 20 minutes ago. But, uh, yeah, we, we went down there and there's a spot, like an area we'd been hitting the pike pretty good it's been picking up like getting better and better the last time i'd went i mean i caught i mean the last th- two or three times i went i caught caught some big like bigger and bigger and more pike and you came down that time the first, and you you got right. there right you and carrie got there right as it was kind of tailing off right and we caught we ended up i immediately walked over and caught a fish and i was like oh yeah. man this is going to be great yeah and then i jigged for a half an hour before i caught another one and finally, I was like, "You carry here, you know." Here, she was like, oh, "I don't want to," and I was like, "No, nah, you should fish, you know, catch one because it doesn't it doesn't seem to be that good. It's going to take a little yeah. while." And she pulled three out and within fifteen minutes. Yeah, I'm like there it is, right there, perfect. So we ended up between the two of us with five that first time that I went down there. Nothing, five pounds. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, they had the biggest fish. Yeah, we, before you well, know, when we got there. I mean, Steve, you caught a nice one. Steve yeah. caught a nice one. Um, Nate, Nate caught another nice caught one. Caught a couple of nice yeah. ones right in a row. And I he's put decided it slowed down. He went and got himself a sandwich, and that's all you have to do. Yeah, let your guard down with yeah. some food, and you're going to get a good fish. Yeah, and then um, what? And then the next, yeah, then then the next time, a few days later, we went out same spot, like same bunch of holes, and uh, well. This is something we didn't talk about before, but I tried to go up again. I was going to go up by myself. Oh, that's right. I didn't realize the, that. This is after you. It was the next day, The next right? day. Yeah. I was just going to turn and burn because well, we had gone down and that next time and I had caught 12. Yeah. The next time I went down and I was like, that's a pretty good day of fishing for me. You know, I was yeah. like, ice fishing? Shit. 12 fish? That's awesome. You know, my biggest one was 10 pounds. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go down there by myself. And then... Nick, I talked with Nick, and he was like, I want to go. So him and John were going to come. And I left my house. So this was a Monday, so it was Sunday night. I left my house Monday morning, sunglasses on. By the time I got to where I was going, 
got to go up on top of a mountain and then it seems like super counterintuitive. You go to the top yeah. of a mountain to ride your snow machine yeah. for 25 miles down into a valley to, to uh, go and fish. But as I went up there, it started snowing. By the time I got to the top, it was blowing 40, snowing like yeah. white out. I passed an old boy that was turned around and going back and he was like, I don't know, you can try and get up there. But Didn't I you t- have your head hanging I turned out the side well, of your I got up there further after I talked with him and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to try it anyway. I was like, once you get down on the river, it should be fine. It'll be shitty going for a while. So I kept going and going and going and going and then all of a sudden there's a truck parked on the side of the road and I was like, oh, that's a weird place to park. <laughs> and it's like, the road is shitty. I'm plowing snow. Finally, I'm like, holy shit, I had to put my goggles on and roll my window down, and I have my head hanging out the window. I'm driving, <laughs> looking out the window, because I can't see past the front of my truck. And I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting close. I'm within like 300 yards of the parking lot, and I'm like, I don't know, it's hard to see. I'm going, you know, and I've slowed down enough, so it's like, I don't know whether I'm on the road or yeah. what the hell is going on. I'm kind of like driving by Braille at that point yeah. in time. <laughs> And I didn't even see a snowdrift that was over my hood of a 1500 Dodge just stopped me dead in my tracks, just like sunk right into a snowdrift. And I was like, well, I guess that's the end of that. I won't be going any further than this. You know, I got a little piss ant shovel that I carry my snow machine, this little tiny thing that's like this big. I was like, I'm not digging through that snowdrift to go up there. It ain't worth it. So then I'm like, I'm probably a mile from where I can turn around. I can't even see my front of my truck, which is like six feet away. I'm like, I'm going to have to back up at like less than one mile an hour. So back with the goggles out looking behind me and I back up, back up, back. So I back all the way down to where this truck was parked. So I thought parked and I look over and I'm like, shit, Steve, it's Tyler's father-in-law. So I roll my window down. He rolls his window down. He's like, man, I'm stuck. And I was like, shit. I was like, well, I'm probably not far off from being stuck. When he had the trailer, so like, too, didn't he? He didn't. Oh, he no. didn't. Oh, nice. He had a sled in the back of his truck. Yeah. So I was like, well, I have a tow rope. I was like, I can try and get you know, get in front of you and pull you out. So I hooked on, hooked on to him. And he's like, yeah, all right. He's like, Nathan's coming. But yeah, let's try and pull it out. So I hooked on to him. And... Soon as I started to pull, he didn't move at all, and I started like head sliding sideways, yep. going off the road. And I was like, I see him like pull his hands up. He's like, "Stop!" So I stopped and backed up. And we unhooked, and I was like, "I guess I'm just gonna have to." I was like, "I can pull out this little shovel and give you a hand." And at this point, he's like, "Look at the drifts forming around my truck." He's like, "If you don't leave now." You're going to be sitting right next to me just as stuck as I am. So I was like, all right. He's like, Nathan's coming up. He's got a chain and a bunch of stuff, and I think we can we'll be able to pull it out. So I got out and looked around, and he was standing out there, and he's like, you could probably – he's like, I'll stand right here, and I'll direct you so you don't hit anything. You can probably turn the truck around right here. So with his help, direct me because you can't – like I said, oh, yeah. you can't see anything. Like you literally couldn't see the front – bumper of the truck that far away from the from through the windshield yep so like a three-point turn or something like that i got turned around and i got down a ways and i turned two other guys that were towing trailers at where the 
old road goes out. Yep, I was like, yep. right here's the spot to turn around, boys. I was like, you go up there and you're going to have the, everything stuck. You'll be jackknifed in the middle of the road. I was like, I barely could, you know, I hit a snow drift that was taller than the front of my truck, just stopped me, dead yeah. in my tracks. I was like, you can try. I mean, I'm not telling you not to, but so they, what it ended up, they ended up doing, I think, was they all dumped their sleds right there. Yeah. And they just ripped up the road and then down. Yeah. Because that one dude, Carl, had to go. They went down and got his sled. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. he had been down the day before with us and his sled broke down. Yeah. So, yeah. So I pulled the plug that day. And then the next time that I went back was the day that we all, the five of us that's went right. down yeah. there. And we kind of was, once everybody could, you know, get a good day that we could all go down together. Um, yeah. That's when we went. But holy shit, the fishing was hot unbelievable yeah, yeah you know? we didn't we didn't eat, you know you mentioned this before we obviously there'll be some some deja vu for sure but we didn't even get to where like three or four miles short of where we wanted to go and we found fishing that was better than any fishing all year oh yeah it yeah. was it was nuts you know i mean we you know that in the future you won't go by those spots without checking them yeah you know yeah being like hmm, maybe we don't need to go down as far as we do normally yeah it's uh i wish i would have gps well no i did because i it would be simple to i sent some figure yeah. that out anyway um Are you send an in reach i think i sent stuff? some in reach yeah. stuff to my wife from there so they're saved but uh yeah it was uh well for you know we got kind of decided not to go any further because the overflow and we knew it was going to get bad that afternoon because it was going to be hot so Punched a couple holes. It was shallow. Moved up to a spot. Punched some holes, and you guys started catching fish right away. Yeah. And I just kept punching holes because I wasn't catching fish. I but, think John uh, had two fish before anybody even got a bite. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, a couple of nice fish too. Yeah. And and, and Matt caught a four one that was like forty two inches and like fourteen pounds or something like that there. Yep. Um. She said that's the biggest fish that she ever measured. Oh, the biologist? Down there. Yeah, it's 42 inches. Yeah, and the one Matt caught last year was either 42 or 43 and was 24 pounds. I told her that I had a friend that caught one that was 43 inches and weighed 24 pounds last year. Yeah. And she was like, I've never heard of one that was 20, 24 pound class caught down there. Yeah, it was insane. It was so, huge. Oh, like, no. It's, yeah. It's a whole new level. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know? Because then that's what, like, he had the. the Longest fish of the day, but I caught that one that was 38 inches. It was 17, uh, 17 pounds. And even at that, 17-pound pike <laughs> is like, it's a hell that, of a fish. That was man. right when, uh, and I'll just throw myself under the bus because that's, I'm just impatient. I've always been like that fish. You left. Not, you were standing I'm right like next standing to I'm like standing right next in the hole. And I'm like, it slowed down a little bit. I was like, oh, I kind of want to go punch a couple holes back around where we first, because where we first started on that bend, like it was nonstop, like could not get your spoon to the bottom and big ones. Yeah. And then uh, we gradually moved up a little ways and I was mm -hmm. like, ah, sure shit. I go down there and like punch a hole. I'm fishing. What couldn't have been for five minutes and for, I got a 17 pounder right here. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just quietly get on my sled and go back to my hole. <laughs> and that spot wasn't two feet of water. I mean, it was shallow. It was really shallow. shallow. Yeah. It was yeah. shallow enough that a lot of times when I like those big ones, sometimes it could be, they rest, especially when they wrap up in the line, it's tough to get them up in the hole. Mm -hmm. Um, even a 10 inch hole, but mine was, it was so shallow. A lot of times I'd like set the hook and they'd zip right up into the hole. 
Yeah, because it's so shallow. It's so There's shallow, like nowhere yeah. else for them to go. Yeah, you know, the spoon's just like right there, neck, right there, yeah. you know, not too far um, below the hole. And I mean, it seemed like. That spot, that was like, that was like two hour session of pretty much the entire time at all five guys were hooked up all the time. Yeah. I mean, it was like if you weren't hooked up, you were it took taking longer, a fish off or getting. It took longer to unhook fish and rebate. Yeah, than it did to get a fish on, like way longer. Yeah, and it was uh, what was funny too is, and I'm I've like since I was a little kid been a compulsive lure changer. And I'm uh, totally the opposite. Yeah, you are. I'm just like whatever this <laughs> thing works fine. And and I don't know, I've been kind of in that because the first few trips down, I uh, I was I using Nick, one. Of, Nick changes his shit up a lot as yeah, well. Yeah, the first few times, and I, like my dad would lecture. You can't catch a fish if your lure's not in the water, you right. know, which is true. But I mean, even when I was a little kid and I was fishing obsessed, I had a tackle box and a chain, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I'd been using like just a glow white tube jig, mm. big old tube jig, all like every trip down there. That's all I was using, and I didn't I didn't switch it out till I put one of them silver like red eye spoons on there. When we were, you, me, and Nick were fishing together, and we were like prospecting, hitting different spots, and I was between you guys, and you guys are pulling them up like as quick as you, and I didn't get a bite. Right. And then finally I was like, ah, fuck this, and put a spoon on, dropped it down there, started. It seems to me for Pike, any silver spoon is like go to goodness. Yeah. You know, I have trouble not not fucking around with a spoon when when it comes to Pike fishing. I mean, I know like some of our, like, um, me and Nick's trips on the river and when we take our wives up there and stuff, it was, uh, the dollar 99 Walmart spoon that you just change out for a single hook. Like, Always outperformed like everything the, else. The crocodile or whatever. Like, no, it was are. better than the croc. Like, like, cause we, multiple times we fished the like crocodiles and whatever. Yeah. And it was whoever was fishing that cheap ass Walmart spoon was the one that was, was the one that them. was catching them more. Huh. And that, I mean, obviously that's not always the case cause it seemed like, I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. Well, whatever, man. <laughs> and I had this fly when I was a kid, and I, I wish I could remember what kind of. I, I always want to say it's a mayfly, but it's not. It's like a. Um, God damn it! Maybe I'll think of it. At any rate, it was this fly that came out I some yard sale box or whatever, and we're at the lake one day. And these things start coming up. Hexagenia, I think is what they're huh. called. And you can buy them in the store. And it looks similar to the one that I got at this yard sale. And I think it was somebody's like homemade special. Mm-hmm. So I had it in my tackle box. But we didn't have a fly rod with us. So we're fishing and these things start coming up. And I'm like, oh, dad, I, I think I got something that looks like that. And he, I pull it out and he's like, well, yeah, but... We don't have a fly rod. And these fish are coming up, like, taking these things off the surface, like, right all around the boat. So he's like, what's the difference? Just try, you know, get a bunch of line out and, like, yeah. <laughs> use your spinning rod and try and get that thing out there a little ways. Get out there. That thing hit the water. Fish on. So we caught a few fish with spinning rod with a fly on it that night. A couple days later. Bring, I'm surprised you didn't have any bring, fly bobbers. Nothing. We didn't have shit. Not, we were set up for a specific kind of fishing, and, you know, that was really always it's amazing that I had that, that fly. Yeah. Um, so we went back up with a fly rod a couple of days later or whatever it was and just hammered the rainbow trout. My dad goes and he's like, I got to figure out what this is and get a bunch of them. He gets them. 
the ones that he bought didn't work with the shit. Huh. Just like you're talking about yeah. that Walmart special, just outfish and everything. This yeah. was, and I, it had to have been something that somebody like homemade fly, something that mm-hmm. somebody tied up themselves. They're like, look at this and make this same fly, but make it myself. Yeah. Rather than have something that's commercially made. And shit for years, that thing, that fly was awesome. Just so good for, for rainbow trout. Specific time though, that's like those hatches go on for yep. a couple of days. And it's over, and you're back to doing whatever the hell else you're doing, you know, because the hatch is over, and it's not until next next year that that's going to happen yep. again. No, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, it, it is funny how that freaking works. Or we talked about, like, fishing right next to, you know, holes right next to each other. And, like, the, you know, the first time I went down there with Matt, he caught, I caught, like, 25 fish, and he caught three. Yeah. Sorry if I'm repeating some of this for the third time. Because well, I know. <laughs> that's what I was like. Did I tell the story about lake trout fishing with me and Nick? The first I can't time remember if it was the first time. time like, uh, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Doesn't matter. Next time, but, some uh, other day. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we freaking hammered them, and I, you know, we figured. I think we caught over like 100, at least 175 fish between five of us. Yeah. No, it's good. We're. You probably yeah, just you know, south of two hundred fish. But you know it's getting you know it's bad when you're like I still got uh, like, ten minutes, uh, I gotta change holes or something. <laughs> you know it's awesome when I'm still got like gill ripped up oh, me too. knuckles from gills like raking down my fingers. The next morning I felt like somebody grabbed my arms and jerked on them and like popped my yeah. shoulders out of the <laughs> sockets. It's like all that slime it's like I know, like, with rockfish, if you get stuck with their quills oh, or whatever, yeah. it's like... Like a oh, poison kind of... shit, kinda. man. I've seen, like, people with, like, red stripes up their arms from that shit <laughs> getting in their blood. Like, oh, it's... it's just, like, that, sh- bad news. Yeah. That stuff's bad for you. But I think just the slime from fish, you, like, get a couple of open cuts in your hands and stuff. You start getting that slime in there. It's like, you wake up the next day, and my hands are all stiff and swollen up. My fingers are all, yeah. like, little that fucking can, hot That dogs. can turn into, like, that cellulitis, like or cellulosis, whatever, like well, bacterial infection. It can be deadly. Like, you got to be careful with it. And I was kind of worried because um, my dumb ass, the one time all year, I mean, I'll get some, like, some gill scraping and stuff on not my, like, cut like open, my no. left index finger is my gill finger. Yeah. And, you know, pike gills will tear the shit out of you. But if you, if you get, get above that last you raker. Get, yeah, you get just <clears throat> under the gill plate and slide your finger up there. The biggest key for me in where I get where I get raked up is is turning them loose. You gotta like almost use I use my middle finger to press those gill those gill rakes back mm-hmm. to let my index finger slide out of there. Yeah, because otherwise it's just like a freaking like a Chinese finger trap. You know, with, stuck when there's in pressure. There. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, I had this one pike up and sitting there with him in gills and my hook. Like the eyelid of the hook was outside of the front of his mouth, and it was just kind of hooked into his top, top jaw there in his mouth. But his mouth's like sitting there hanging wide open. I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't feel like grabbing pliers. And fuck it, I'll just grab that hook and yank. I didn't stick my fingers in his mouth for half a second. Oh, he <laughs> he bite freaking right down on b- you. latched right onto my. You well, know. they're it's messed up because they notoriously like you go to grab the hook out of their mouth with the pliers, and they'll they, bite you. Yeah, they yeah. close their mouths, and it's tight, like. Yeah. You got to pry on their mouth yeah. to get it to come open. I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, it was. Uh, you can catch me putting my fingers in one of their mouths. That was my blood like a stuck. Of course, then you know it's water, and you're rinsing your hands. You're like bleeding like a stuck pig everywhere for a yeah. while. But no, I, I kept an eye on it for a few days. But they're pretty much 
I think I'm in the clear as far as that goes. Well, some old boy told me at the when I was working at the lodge, you get the uh, rockfish, the quill, the dorsal yeah. sp- spines stab you. That shit's bad infection. That hurts. Hmm. It's like painful in your hands. Yeah. And he said, obviously you don't. If you're turning the fish loose, you don't do this. But fish that we were, you know, bringing back to clean, or if it happened on the while you're cleaning fish on the dock, yeah, you pop their eye and you take that eye juice and you huh. put it over like on the hole, like rub it into the hole. I shit you not, it takes that fucking pain is gone immediately, and you interesting, don't, you don't get like the swelling and shit the next day from that huh. popping you. Like it's some kind of antidote. I guess. Well, it's so. almost like you know, one of the old timer tricks, like for. I never got those pushkey burns. I don't know if you ever did, like cow parsnip. Where I never have. You no, get I the shit clear on of that shit. Like, well, Aaron Snyder got that a couple of years ago. He was his mule deer hunting collar. I came back. He was. I was on the phone with him. He came back and he said, "Oh, my hands are all fucked up. Like they're all blistered and stuff." I was like, "He's like got some kind of poison." I was like, "It sounds like pushkey burns where people get that like." You know, stink weed like it grows in the gullies and shit on a fog neck and Kodiak. Like cow parsnip. Cow parsnip. Yeah. And you get that oil or whatever on your skin. And some people, it reacts and then sunlight makes it react worse, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And you get all like blisters and stuff. Um, I think Luke was telling me, some old timer told him, if you like chew up fiddle fern. Oh, and rub that and, like, on rub there. Rub that on there. It, re- like, it often it, it, grows to get, like that stuff all grows real yeah. close in similar, pro- you know, yeah. proximity. So it that, that was pretty <laughs> cool. But, uh, yeah, freaking! I did finish up the other thing. I was just thinking of something else about that. About um, oh, like a remedy? Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead, whatever. I was gonna say I did use a. I did. Oh, you go can through. eat that shit. Cow parsnip. Pushy. I didn't know that. Huh? It's like celery, apparently. But you don't eat that. You like skin it, wear oh, gloves or huh. whatever, and like take the outside off of it. And apparently, it's like the main. Stock of it is like almost like celery. Interesting, right? Huh. I'll let somebody else do it, <laughs> yeah. and I'll watch <laughs> and observe. And the next day, I'll, I'll eat it. Yeah, but I've been told that it's real good. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I? I did. I got finally got through all my like two year old herring on that trip. We used a shitload of bait. I'm glad I left and I left the house <laughs> and got all the way up there and was like. Make sure you got this. Make sure you got that. Make sure. And I was the first one up there, and I was like, fucking A, no bait. Oh, I was like, I'm not even driving down there without bait. So I texted Nick, and I texted you, and I was like, do you guys have plenty of bait? Both respond, yeah, no problem. I got plenty of bait. And I was like, all right, my dumb ass forgot the bait at home. I had like three of those smelt from Temple. Yeah. They would have been gone in like 30 minutes. Yeah. I was like, I'm glad you had a freaking huge, I had a big massive bag. bag of bait because Nick ended up. Running, running out, out of bait yeah. as well because it was him and John using his bait. And, I mean, you know you're doing good when you're running low on bait. You're like, start looking at the bait like, ooh. But there's enough carcasses laying around on the ice from other people Strip cleaning off their fish. bellies. Just and, cut yeah. some stuff off and send it down the hole. I was like, Nick was using skin from a pike. He had the same piece of bait going. This was That was like... Two trips yeah, back. I think he kept adding some herring to it. The herring does seem to be more effective, I think, because it's, it's more oily and Sinky. stuff. yeah. Um, I know last year I ran out of bait one day. Like that day, It wasn't as hot as it was this year, but me, me, Nick, and Matt went through, or Matt already had some too. I brought a whole gallon bag of herring 
Mm-hmm. And we went through all of it, and then we're using pike skin and stuff. Jesus. And it, the herring definitely was more effective, at least in that particular yeah. day, yeah. Um, than pike. I think it's just smellier. Um, yeah. I did. I have tried the eel, like those lamprey eels down there, and they the pike don't not seem as good, to, huh? Not like the burbot did. Hmm. Do seem to like them. Um, Interesting. Yeah, who freaking knows? But it was it was a pretty incredible day, definitely. Yeah, three tagged fish, two yep. two with uh, dorsal tags and one with a radio tag. Yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty fun. We didn't get the numbers off yours, but we got. I measured mine, weighed it, and got numbers off of it. So I've talked with the biologist, and she's the one that's in charge of everything. And then there's oh, gotcha. other people that log and deal with the information. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm in anticipation of a call from another biologist to tell me where they tagged the fish, and the when stats, they yeah. tagged it, how big and how how long it was, and how much it weighed. Yeah, when they actually did the tagging. Because I know the one I caught wasn't very big, and I was like, and I was like, well, he did tell me because I'd asked like if they want tag numbers reported back he's like well it doesn't really do us any good unless we know get an accurate length yeah and wait yeah and uh i was like yeah <laughs> put it back down the hole catch another one yeah exactly no, but, but it is cool though it's neat to it's neat to let let alone catch one fish with a tag in it yeah to catch three, three. in one day that's yeah phenomenal you know i just think of how many like I wish I could see what it looks like, visualize like how many fish and what they're actually doing I bet under the be, ice. I, would, if, I bet if there was a dock there, you wouldn't be dangling your toes. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Well, especially when you, you like, and something about, you know, obviously like auger and hole stirs them up and like gets people bites. But man, when we first like, and that's one of the cool things, uh, things I really like about that ice fish is like, especially in rivers and stuff, holes like that is like, if there's a bunch of fish around, you will know immediately. Oh yeah. Like then, you know, that second spot we, we tried, man, I mean, punch tooth, you know, but I punched like three holes and then like, as soon as we started getting, like you couldn't even get your spoon to the bottom and they were no. gobbling that shit up. And, and I was like a two hour window of just unreal fishing. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then, it, but it never died. Like, well, no, it never, I mean, it, like slowed, it slowed down. but it never died yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we literally left the fish biting yeah. when we left from down there. Yeah, it was uh, pretty incredible. I mean, I told you, I don't know how many times, you know, different, like, whether when we're up on the river in the, in the summer, or, like, if I could take myself when I was a kid, like, growing up where if you caught, like, two 12-inch rainbows in a day, you were doing pretty good, and just, like, pop myself into there i'd piss my pants like oh, right? i would you i would still be out there you wouldn't be able to get me off that river for nothing yeah um something about just yanking fish, big fish especially in the circumstances all considered man like we're pretty pretty fortunate you know it's well it's, it's like you can appreciate it too you take so you're gonna take jed fish in here you know and you've taken him this winter and he's caught some yeah. fish but you're gonna take jed down there and what he'll remember is stuff like that growing up going down catching 20 pike in a day and you know the biggest one being 18 pounds and yeah you know the smallest one i caught was eight pounds all day kind yeah. of thing and it's like <laughs> that's going to be different than like what i grew up fishing and being like you know we were catching brook trout and yep cool a lot of fun nothing huge i mean we could go up to the lake and catch nice big rainbows and landlocked atlantic salmon and yep. lakers and stuff like that but 
it almost makes you, if you don't have fishing like that when you're a kid, appreciate it more as yeah. an adult, you know, growing up being like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Because I was, you know, and I was I was fishing obsessed when I was a kid. And we had a I just remember brook, our property butted up to a, a brook in our backyard that had brown trout, brook trout, and all sort of like shiners and stuff. So that you I would, I would have, I would have been in like hog freaking heaven of that. I would, I would, I had it so bad when I was a kid. My dad was like a football coach, track coach. We'd drive to different places in Colorado, and I'd just like look at the river, be like, man, that looks like a great hole right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like just dream about the stuff. And uh, and I remember, you know, we'd go fishing to different spots, and my dad, my dad would always just be like. Ah, this fishing's terrible, man. When I was, you know, there ain't nothing like it is in Alaska and stuff yeah. like that. And you know, there's like bum fishing up here, and there's good fish, but like when it's good, it's good. Yeah. And even the same spots may not be, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's a matter of timing and whatnot. But man, when the stars align and you hit it when it's hot, it's like yeah. sit down and appreciate this appreciate every minute of it because exactly. you know it's one because yeah that was like one of those it's easy to get caught up you know in the just furiously baiting your hook as fast as you can to catch you know try to catch a bigger yeah. one but it's like one of those where you got to sit down and be like it does not get much better than this no exactly i think my that reminds me like having that brook when i was a kid running through the backyard and it was like, we'd always go, you know, when I was really young, we'd be like, my dad'd be like, take us down there and stuff. Yeah. And then I don't remember exactly how old we were the first time that he was like, okay, you guys can go by yourselves. You've been with me plenty of times. Don't get hurt. Don't get in trouble. You know how to swim, you know? Yeah. Go have fun. And he turned us loose. And of course we thought we were by ourselves, but he was yeah. up in the woods watching us <laughs> the entire time, you know? So... Years later, there's some story about, oh, yeah, I was up there. I was in the woods watching you guys. <laughs> You're like, really? He's like, oh, yeah, a lot of blue air that day. <laughs> a lot of two little boys cursing. Dad's not around. <laughs> just <laughs> fucking this. God damn it, that. <laughs> Ripping lips and just cussing up a storm with one eye over the shoulder all the time. <laughs> he was like, well, I haven't heard that much cursing in a long time. Probably you guys since he was in Vietnam cut, or cut loose. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh man, yeah. So it got to the point where we'd like had all the holes, like where we knew all the trout were. Yeah, we like cross from Millie's and Nolan's hole and Noyce's hole, and you know each hole was named. And we'd be like running from the house, like I get to fish Nolan's hole first, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like pushing each other down yeah. on the ground, running for the <laughs> hole to like go right to the hot spot and catch the first fish out of it. <clears throat> Yeah, good stuff for sure. Oh yeah, it's so, and that's yeah. So I don't know. I want. I definitely want him. Obviously, you know, like to pursue what he likes doing. You know, I don't want to make him do anything he don't like to do. But uh, he's why. he's gonna like it. I just want to. You know, hopefully he'll it seems appreciate. Like I don't it. know. You know, I don't obviously don't have kids, but it seems like parents that push their kids to do stuff that they want them to do are just pissing up a rope, you know, yeah. you're just beating your head against the wall. There's no, you can't force a kid to do something yeah. that you want them to do. It's like in the, the harder you push, the worse it's getting for you because it's the more they're not going to want to do it. Yep. It seems like you just let kids come into doing, doing what they, you know, want to mm -hmm. do. I mean, what's he growing up seeing you with dead animals hanging in here all the time and fishing all the time and all the stuff. It's like, 
of course that's what he's going to want to do, yep. you know? But you still can't force him to. Yeah. Yeah. No, <clears> it's <throat> it's fun watching him. He loves shooting his bow. Like, he'll, he's getting pretty good at it, too. Oh, for, hell yeah. You know, especially, like, four years old can, like, hit that target pretty much every time, that target yeah. bail every time at, like, 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But kids growing fast, you need to get him a little bit taller bow. But, yeah, yeah, it was a freaking one for the books. It was a good way to, like, kick off springtime. Yeah, kind of cap off the You know, because I was Jones, like, if I couldn't have gone one one last time, you know, and also on the way out be like, fuck, I do not want to come back down here again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it would have been like, man, could I have got one more day in? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sick of freaking cleaning pike slime off of stuff because I've been I smoked all that like all the fish I kept I smoked this year, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. I didn't realize you smoked all of them. I got a freaking pile of smoked fish now. Oh no shit! I thought you just smoked that last batch. I mean, I think I've probably got no. I smoked all of them. I probably got not counting. You know, I probably got sixteen or seventeen whole like fish smoked worth i mean nice. we ate a pretty good bunch of them too i mean yeah i never even kept all 10 of my fish like but for yeah 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 exactly and what is it said 10 fish per day and 20 in possession 20 in possession like yeah, yeah so yeah and 20 i mean you could only yeah you, you know and and i understand the whole like none over you know only two over 30 when i asked her about that too because we talked about you know and i was like well it seems like they're the fish that are over 30 are the females yeah. So they don't want you keeping a whole bunch of fish that are about to spawn. Yeah. And that's exactly what the reasoning yeah. behind that 30-inch rule is, is because male pike rarely get above that 30-inch that zone. Yeah. And, def- <clears throat> yeah, that definitely seemed to be the case. So, I mean, it's you get some and, you know, I'd like to keep that. It seems like if they're under 24, they're just like, there's nothing to it. Not them. worth it. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you can get that, like, 25 to 30-inch range, they're still decent fish. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely, I'm freaking in what now, there's a few rivers that are running hard now. Like, the big rivers are going to start going out any day. Yeah, everything will be. You know, it looked like it's it, pouring rain right now. It's been a freaking late, it's been a late spring, but, uh. I think, I don't really think it's much behind schedule. No, no. You know, it's just, it's like a more normal year for what I remember is like, it's cold, 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 and then. We actually got some snow. Yep, and then it's freaking warming up fast. It went mm-hmm. from, you know, basically being 30 degrees during the day to 50 in like two days. Yeah. Well, it hasn't dropped below freezing like the last four no. nights or five nights or something like that. Yeah, we got a shitload of snow, but it's going fast. So we got we've got already. So for Carrie's gardens, everything gets collected off the roof, goes into buckets, and then it gets pumped into. She's got a fifteen hundred gallon tank and yep. a two hundred fifty gallon tank. The fifteen hundred is about half full, and the two hundred fifty is totally full already. And there's yeah. still two feet of fucking snow on the roof. Yeah, I need to get I need to get a, like a big fifteen hundred gallon tank like that because I'm just right now I'm just pumping my my buckets down the driveway because she I've, can store enough water to do all of her gardens like flower gardens and vegetable garden all summer. Like that's impressive. And last year we dumped water out on the ground, which it the thing stays out there, so it's like yeah. collecting rainwater all summer mm-hmm. as well. So whenever it rains, you're collecting that. But between the snow in the spring coming off, yep. And what you get for rain all summer, 
since I've known her, we haven't had to put any water from the house on the garden. On the garden, that's it's awesome. All rain water and snow water, which yeah, I mean yeah, especially times like this, people are starting. To <laughs> well, well, you know, water's a hot commodity around here to start with. Yeah, yep. it's like. Who the hell in their right mind doesn't want to have a garden right now, you know? Yeah. Nobody wants to go to the garden. It's like a big store. deal. And so, like, so a couple of them states, they're, like, not letting people buy seeds and shit. Which is <laughs> Just ridiculous. out of control, Now's yeah. Now's the time you should be giving seeds away to people, being yep. like, here, everybody go should grow have a your garden. own food. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yep. I'm definitely looking forward to getting on the river. and I mean, it's it's... You know, the whole, I don't know, I try to only worry too much about the shit I can control. And, uh, you know, like, and you know, me being, uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit stoked on prospectively, like, how cool some of the opportunities we might have. That is acknowledging, like, a lot of people have it pretty shitty and it's going to be affecting everybody sooner or later. Um, yeah, but I, you know, you can't help but feel bad for people that are trapped in some, you know. I was just driving yesterday back from the lake. Yeah. And as I'm driving along where you come off the ridge and get onto the Mitchell, there there's that weird you know, that weird weird um like you get on, you go over where it goes over to the Steese and yep. you come back down yep. and you get on to where it turns into the Mitchell there. Yep. And it's like all on the right right there is all just like apartment complexes. And yeah. It's like cars just lined up and like door next to door next to door next to door and i was like oh my god i'd freak out if i was living like that right now yeah or it would down in me out New and York that's, City that's or here something. you know yeah. no exactly it's like you kind of you know it's like horrible like the way people some people live and like that's what a lot of people like but nobody likes it when there's some fucking virus to worry about you know yeah. that's just shitty you know but yeah, and well, uh, it is what it is, I guess. You know, it's and the state's gonna have to figure their shit out. But like you're saying, what in that one gas station's a dollar ninety nine in town now? Dollar ninety four, yeah. Dollar ninety four. I yeah. like, and I told well, you, who the hell knows it. It's could been, be less now. Yeah, I mean, and like I told you, I haven't freaking. It was two thousand four that it bumped over two dollars a gallon. I remember as a year I graduated high school, was right. running bear baits, and I'm like. I'm like, yeah, I'll probably never see it under $2 a gallon anymore. I, like, remember thinking that back in the day, and now I'm like, holy. Word on the street from buddies of mine own a gas station, and word on the street is that it'll go below a dollar a gallon here, with, you know, not before too long. Need to buy some freaking drums is what needs to happen. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's what I said. I was yeah. like, I got enough storage to, you know, have, you know, minus all my vehicles being filled up. Um, I think I can store about a hundred and shit. I got a 325 gallon tank sitting there. I could fill that up too. But once you do that, there's no more hauling water in that. Once you put gas in it. So yeah. I think I'll hold out on that. Yeah. But I think right now I can probably have like a hundred and 120 or 130 gallons of fuel I could store. Yeah. But that's what I was saying to you is all I really give a shit about is like getting enough boat fuel for this spring trip that we're yeah. going to do. And, and talk about it, like getting make, it at cheap. Yeah. You know? And that's and what, like, that, and that's what it'd be cool, you know, cause you can only, you know, without treating it and stuff, especially in boats and so stuff, long. you know, you can yeah. only, you only really want to use new gas and outboards and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But you know, we'll have to try and take advantage well, of it whatever it can. sounds like it'll be about the perfect timing too. Yeah. It I think be like, so. 
fuel yeah. probably be right right low when we're you know, going to be doing it'll that. definitely make me appreciate the times i was paying 150 dollars a trip to go bait you oh know, yeah in no, gas exactly. or more yeah you know a few years back so definitely definitely some weird freaking times um we talked about when we were ice fishing but uh you went on your first goat hunt there a little while back huh yeah that was long long time in the in the works um I've been invited to go down there to Kodiak goat hunt a bunch of times Nikia's always like just come down man go goat hunt and it just seemed like it never it never worked out like it never you know it seemed like I was always busy yeah there was always like something with work that seemed like it was you know needed to be done kind of thing and I knew that when Nick came back and was like, look, there's a spot on the boat for three more people. I'm going. And it, Brian and Seth were somehow, I think Nick texted me and asked me if I wanted to go and if I knew anybody else that wanted to go. And I had randomly just been going back and forth with Seth about goat hunting. Yeah. Something. Or he had just come back because he has gone down there and goat hunted before but didn't get a goat. Oh, gotcha. And... He he was like, Brian wants to go. And I was like, look, what if I can put a trip together? I just got invited and there's two more spots. All we need to do is, you know, come up with a down payment. And it was literally like three weeks later that Nick was given down payments for everybody. And he sent the stuff, he sent the money to Jeremy. And we had, we had booked, but I knew that if that was like last May was when that all went down. Yeah, that's right. Because it was in the. It was when we went out and did that podcast and we were fishing for Burbit with Seth. That's right, yeah. And he had all Brian and his money and they paid for, you know, they kicked in their money and I kicked in a bunch of money and we sent it down there and actually, you know, and I, my deal was, I know that if I make a down payment. That you're committed. I yeah. won't, I, and I've committed, I won't be come up with some kind of fucked up excuse about I need to work or something else is more important, which I, you know, should have my head checked when I think that, you know. It's weird though, you know, you can, oh, yeah. in the spur of the moment when somebody calls and is like, next weekend, if you can come down, it's like, fuck, you know, I got. You're just you not know, in like a hard, state of mem- exactly. mental preparation. To, exactly. But I, yeah. I typically with hunting stuff, like if I can commit myself and especially with a payment in advance, I'm psyched for it. And I've just been like antsy about it the whole time just ready like, yeah psyched about doing it like knowing that i was yep, going yep. this time you know and fuck they got smoked with snow in kodiak this winter just pummeled with snow yeah like more snow than they've gotten 10 years so which yeah. that was kind of like freaking snow mixed. here we're too. like well yeah exactly but the deal was is i know how it works i spent a lot of years down there on kodiak and a fog night guiding and doing stuff and i was like this could be that story where you yep. end up in Kodiak, sitting in a hotel, twiddling <laughs> your thumbs, watching freaking TV, waiting, <laughs> waiting for something to happen. And it wasn't the fucking day before we left. Nick's like, "Well, Makoto's working on the boat; it won't start." And it's like you've <laughs> got to be shitting me. And it's like, whatever it is, what it is, it's a fucking boat. Yeah, you know, they're notoriously broken. Yeah, something's always wrong, and it wasn't huge he had a fuel issue you know it was like a fuel pump there was like a um he had been working for somebody else on somebody else's boat so his boat hadn't run in a while and i think he had like some kind of a vapor lock or something i don't know exactly what you call it he had air in a fuel line oh he was having trouble getting the air out of a fuel line 
couple of phone calls to a couple of people that he that he knew that were uh, a guy that. So I met Makoto on the, my first sheep hunt in 2014 in the Brooks Range with you. With me, which is the yep. first time that you met yep. Makoto, and um, and Jeremy, I yeah. knew. Which yeah, and I didn't. That was the first time I met Jeremy as well. Actually, I haven't seen Jeremy since, and I hadn't seen Makoto since yeah. either. But when I met Makoto, I was like, "Oh yeah," and he's like, "Oh yeah, I work on a boat in Kodiak." Blah blah blah. I'm from Maine, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm from Vermont." And so we start bullshitting. He's, I was like, "Oh, what boat do you work on?" He said, "Oh, Denise Marie." And I was like, "You work for Patatucci?" And he's like, "You know Mike?" And I was like, "Yeah, I know Mike." <laughs> so I knew who his, you know, the captain that he worked for was. And f- funny that when Makoto made a phone call to be like, I got a fuel problem. I'm not getting fuel. He calls Patatucci and says, you know, I'm trying to take these goat hunters out. So Luke Randall is down there with Mike Patatucci. At the same time Makoto calls him, <laughs> they're butchering. He had a bunch of lambs that they they, they were butchering. What the hell is that? Oh, it's my computer. Oh. The thing's a royal piece. Proceed. So, um, Makoto calls and is like, yeah, I'm trying to take these goat hunters out. And they had just been talking about how I was going down there to go goat hunting. That's So, funny. Luke gets on the phone with Makoto and is like, oh, you're going to take Frank out goat hunting? And Makoto's <laughs> like, how the hell do you know yeah. Frank? And how do you know that? So Makoto had never met Luke before. Oh. And so they all end up on the phone, you know, bullshitting around. But it all got squared away. So we got down there. The boat ran. And then it started blowing out of the southeast, which is horrible for where we were going. And it was like, I don't know. I pulled up the Noah buoy stuff. And it was 27-foot at whatever seconds and it's like that's just a pound fest you know (laughs) you don't go out on a boat when it's like that so we were going to fly in and get right on the boat and go right down there Mm -hmm. overnight and be able to start hunting in the morning yeah so we ended up one extra day in kodiak and then the night before makoto and his dad who his dad acts as like the mate on the boat the cook and everything and um his dad Hopped on the boat and they're like, "We're not gonna put you guys on the boat because Nick, they both had the seasick patches yeah, on. That, Seth, I'd, I'd Seth be, doesn't do very well. I'd be and, right there with them. And Nick doesn't do chum fest. <laughs> doesn't do very well either. Which I don't know. I've never been seasick before in my life. I've been out in some horrible shit, and it's like, obviously, I don't get seasick, or I, it would have happened at yeah. this point in time. But I've seen people chumming before, and I feel bad for them. So. The deal was they were like, we'll take the boat down. You guys fly down. And because it's a commercial flight, you can, you hunt can same actually day airborne, hunt yeah. same-day airborne. So they went. They left at like 9.30 p.m. And by the time we got down there at 10.30 or 11 in the morning, something like that, they were there. Makoto was cruising up. And it was really cool. The place that we flew into, we were like, shit, it's like a mile to where the boat is. And we got like, you know. We brought a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, fuck, we're going on a boat. We got plenty of room. Like, bring anything you want to kind mm-hmm. of deal, you know? I mean, Christ, Brian's rifle weighs like 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't think it really weighs that much, but it's a tank. I mean, yeah. It should have wheels. <laughs> um, the 
uh, they have like a little van they bring down and they get all their supplies and stuff like that. And the guy was like, Hey, are you guys going to the Harbor? Yeah. And he's like, just throw all your stuff in here. I'll drop you guys off. And nice. it'll be way easier. So we get halfway back and here's Makoto walking up the road, cruising along. He was going to walk up and meet us. And, yeah. uh, so we pulled over and he hopped on and got super nice guy, drove us down and dropped us off and, uh, hopped right on the boat. Um, Nick immediately was like, get all your shit sorted out, get your rifles out, get everything ready because like the minute <laughs> this business, boat yeah. pulls off this dock, like we can start seeing goats. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't full of shit. I mean, it was like, I would say we were in the boat for 35 minutes. Yeah. And Seth saw him long fucking good eye, man. Long ways away. He spotted, I think there was six goats. And they were down there, probably like up five or six hundred yards, something like that. Yeah. Nah, maybe not five or six hundred yards, maybe like three hundred yards, four hundred yards up, and they were kind of like on top of this bluff and they're all bedded down. So like you get closer, 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 and it's like What do you guys think? It was like fuck beautiful day, dead calm, sunny. Like, let's go. So within you know, an hour of being on the boat, we're getting in a skiff and getting taken to shore and Brian and Seth and myself cruised up, hooked around, we got up and I was just like fucking post holing through nut deep snow. All yeah. this, you know, when you get up, it's like a lot of it, like you get get spots where it wasn't that bad. Yeah, you yeah. can walk on top of it, but you get stuff that was like flat bacon in the sun mm-hmm. and you just start post holing through it. Cause at that point in time, you know, you're coming in the afternoon it's warmed up all day. That snow has, yep. um, but we made a couple of, we tried to go up and it's like, you never know. You can't see over the edge and it's all alders and you can't mm-hmm. see shit. And we finally found a spot where we could come around and Seth had been goat hunting already and hadn't got one. So it was like, Seth's up first kind of thing. Yeah. So pick out a nanny that's not with other goats, you know, not, it doesn't have mm-hmm. a kid with it. Yeah. Make sure that it's, you know, up and moving around. It took forever, it seemed like, for him to get up and, like, start to move around. And he shot that nanny. So we kind of, like, pack everything up. And so Brian's got a three thirty eight Lapua. It's got, like, all the bells and whistles. And yeah. It's like, like and a suppressor. shooting 1,000 yards kind of, kind of rifle, you know? Yeah. And, oh, it's got a monopod on the stock and a bipod on the front and that's like the pod on the front you can like it's yeah. got this like hoop thing where you could like set it up between rocks or flip it upside down and like hang the rifle in the wedge of between rocks or something like that super cool shit yeah so Seth used that shot his sacked the thing so we kind of like gather all the stuff up I'm putting the spotting like getting the spotting scope put away and we go like 20 yards and like all the goats are just standing there. And Seth's just like, you sure you don't want to shoot one? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, pretty nice day. And I was like, fuck, man, you're right. Okay. So, so there's like all this shit sticking up. So I was like, fuck, I can't, like, I can't see good enough. So we pull my f- tripod out, put the spotting scope on it, turn the spotting scope sideways. Yeah. Put the bipod of the rifle on top of the spotting scope, so I'm up. So I'm standing with this fucking 25 pound rifle 
on a bipod, bipod on top of a spotting scope. And Brian's like underneath me holding the spotting scope. And all I'm thinking is like, dude, I'm going to blow your fucking eardrums out. And he's like, suppressed, man. I'm not going to hear anything. You're just going to hear the thing go thump. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, well, I just watched Seth shoot. It was not loud at all. But it's still something weird about somebody's like yeah, right yeah, yeah. there below you when you're shooting. But I was like, okay, if you say so. So he's like, yeah, pick out that other nanny and fucking let flicker. Yeah. So I shot. And I was like, there's a lot of brush, man. I'm shooting through alders. So he's like, it's a pretty serious fucking round. Just shoot. So I shot and totally missed. But I look back through the scope and there's like a hole I can see <laughs> through these alders where I've like shot a hole through, like cleared all these <laughs> limbs out. And the goat's just standing there. You know, they're 160 yards away. So I racked another one in, put it on him, shot, think fuck, just sacked it. Yeah. So done. Woohoo! Another goat yeah. down right on. It's like this is gonna be so cool taking pictures. They're yeah. like thirty yards apart. You know, we can drag that one up and take pictures. We can all be there and everything. So um, we make it in another ten feet, and here comes two. They ran down some of them onto a cliff, but yeah. they got cliffed out, and like even for a goat, they couldn't get down any yeah. further. Here they come back again. So we made it another 10, 15 feet. Brian's like, fuck, I should probably <laughs> shoot one, huh? We're like, yeah. yeah. Well, if we got two down, we might as well have three down. So everything back out. We're at a better spot where he could like l- actually lay the rifle down. And he shot one. So we got a cool, the first picture, all three of our first goats. We could put them in a pot and make a pile of goats yeah. and take some pictures of, pictures of all of us. And it was really cool. Once... Once Nick saw from the boat that we had shot one, he immediately geared up with some water, an empty pack, because we left without water, nothing, just like, rip it, let's go. Um, He loaded up some water and brought knife, some, you know, some stuff for taking care of animals, Mm -hmm. and he had Makoto bring him in, so I had mine taken care of, and we, Seth was just about finishing, and Brian was you know, like three quarters away through dealing with his Nick showed up, they finished ripping Brian's apart. We split it all up between four of us and we ripped it straight down back on the boat again. Nice. So three goats within, you know, the first four hours of the, of the hunting trip, we had (laughs) three goats down. So, um, yeah, the rest of the day, we just basically cruised to where, you know, kind of like assessed what we had to hunt. Mm -hmm. There was like four groups of goats where we were, you know, between in this bay that we were going to. And the rest of the trip was basically, you know, I think the next day Seth shot his billy um, from the beach. Nick tried to get it with his bow and just couldn't get up. Couldn't, there's no way for him to get up off the beach to get above it. Yeah. Um, So they pulled the plug on him. Seth went in. And they went down and they set up and they shot off the beach like 75 yards or something like that up to where it was laying down. Yeah. And that one fell down into a, fell down into this little drainage and it was all ice and shit. And while Brian and I are getting ready to get in our stuff to go in and give those guys a hand, they find a randomly a rope tied into an alder <laughs> that Nick chipped out of the ice and when we got there, Brian climbed up the rope and went up because the goat fell and got stuck. Yeah. Brian went up with crampons on and an axe and got the goat down and threw it down over and got it down on the beach. So um, 
Seth was all done. And then there might have been, like, the next day, nothing. We went after him and something and it didn't work out or whatever. And then I think the next day, Brian and Seth went up and Brian shot a really nice billy. Yeah, that was a nice billy. But it didn't. It was stuck on a cliff and it was, like, fucking pucker zone where it was. And they got to within... 20 yards of it couldn't still couldn't see it from where they were from, from the above, boat yeah from the boat you're looking and we're like it's right there it's right in front of you what are you guys doing you know but then you get up there because i went up the next day to get it with them and it's like holy shit no wonder you couldn't see it oh yeah fuck this thing is like it's like a 150 foot cliff on one side of it and then like another 20 foot cliff above it and there's just this little shelf that it was on so we took ropes and stuff and those guys lowered me down onto this cliff shelf yeah and i tied onto the goat and so we tied onto some alders and then they and we tied two lines together and i tied one around my waist and they basically lowered me down and then i untied myself and tied onto the goat and i figured like if i slip at this point in time i can either grab the rope or the goat yeah and i can come up with the goat and hold on like and actually help as yeah. they pull and like get it up so we Dragged that goat up and got it up on top. Took a bunch of pictures. I remember the, the pictures, night- getting the pictures of you like above the goat climbing up the <laughs> yeah climbing. the ice there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, after those guys got to the boat though, then the day before, Nick spotted a really nice billy, and we set up on a peninsula, and he shot a billy at six hundred and twenty-five yards <laughs> nice. with that rifle just right below where Brian's was. Mm. So we went up and got Brian's, came down, dropped everything, the hide, the meat, cruised back up and around this other little drainage, got Nick's, butchered, got some pictures, butchered <laughs> that one, came down, loaded everything up, went back down the rest of the way. So at that point, that day, Nick had to go, Seth had two goats, Brian had two goats, and I had one goat. So I still had one tag yep, left. one billy. Yeah, because now you have to shoot a nanny and a... Right. You can either shoot two nannies or a nanny and a billy. Right. So I... We were on the back on the boat. We got everything back on the boat. And it was like midday. You know, it didn't take that long to go and to go and get all that mm-hmm. stuff. With three guys, you can take a goat apart pretty quick and yeah. get in the pack and everything. So we came back down and... We're on shit. We're on the boat for twenty minutes, and somebody's like, "Oh, there's goats down there on the beach." And it's like <laughs> on the beach. Seth's like, "Where are your Crocs? Go shoot one of them in your Crocs." <laughs> I was like, "Jesus, man!" So we got some shit together. Nick and I went. Makoto took us in the skiff, and we went down. And it happened to be that it was uh, nanny and a kid. Gotcha. They were below the high tide line, <laughs> like in the rocks. I mean, basically, if there was a beach there, they would have been on the beach. The first three goats we shot were full of sand, <laughs> full of black sand, where they had been down, literally yeah. laying in that black sand in this baking in the sun. Yeah. Um. So Nick was like, "Well, let's just cruise down. We know there's goats here. Let's just cruise down. We're already out. Let's just, you know, cruise the coast and see what, you know, kind of like assess the situation, see what's low. Mm-hmm. So the goats would all be up." higher in the morning when they could walk on the snow. Yep. And as it warmed up throughout the course of the day, they'd come down, 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 down. Yeah. 
So we cruised along, and there was another group with a nanny and a kid, and then a smaller, we didn't know. Like a snow cone? Well, Billy y- yeah, who knows? But it was kind of like, eh, we really don't know. Let's just can you know kind of continue down. So we went down a little further, and there was a goat by itself. Nice, yep, good goat. Nick and I got off. I set the rifle up. Look at it, look at it, look at it. Yep, good. Shot 100, that was like 165 yards, 168 yards, something like that. One shot, fucking sacked the thing. Fell mm-hmm. off of like a 20-foot cliff into the alders. Nick and I went up, dragged it all the way back down, took pictures on the rocks. Like didn't even do anything <laughs> with it up there, just drag it right straight down. Brought yeah. it back to cut it, like literally took it apart on the boat whole. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so... My first goat hunting experience was a total gentleman's hunt, you know, not what most people, when they think of goat hunts. Yeah. We went seven for seven. We had seven tags, and Nick had already shot a goat earlier in the year, so he only had one tag. Um, We shot seven goats in, like, five days. It was unbelievable, you know, and it's like all I ever hear about is people, oh, goat hunt's a real fucking pain in the ass, you know, for the most part, and they're in, you know, the story I always hear is, which this is true. A, a man can go where sheep can go, but a man can't go where goats can go. Yeah. Because they get up in some shit, you know, and you got to make decisions like, is this thing going to get pulverized, you know, because what good is a goat if it's turned into shit? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, that's sack, a, you know? seems like a high percentage of the time is like waiting for him to get to a spot where you'll be able to you recover them. actually recover you know? them, yeah. So aside from one, Brian had to go up and and pull one out, and then I had to get lowered down and get that other one. Other than that, I never had, I brought snowshoes. I never had to put them on. There's a lot of crampon cruising. Yeah. Like a lot. And having a, um, like a mountaineering axe. Yeah. Huge. Like I would never do it without. Never. Fuck ski poles. Just bring one axe, like a mountaineering axe. Yeah. Seemed like the tits. It was the way to, way to roll. Um, so it was awesome. Our, goat hunting trip turned into a fishing trip just like bam snap the fingers and let's go fishing so we hung out and you know had his dad greg is awesome makoto's dad super super nice guy awesome to be on the boat with um just full of tons of cool stories you know been there and done that been all over the world you know traveled and seen a lot of really cool stuff and um yeah just you couldn't ask for a, a better group of guys to hunt with, you know, between the guys that I went with, Brian and Nick and Seth, mm-hmm. um, and then to be able to hang out with Makoto and his dad, Greg. Yeah. On, on the I don't think I've met his is, dad. I think I've met his mom. Uh, right on. Um, but, you know, you walk, you walk down a dock and you look at guys' boats and you can be like, I, I'd probably work for that guy or I'd get on that guy's boat, but holy shit, I don't know about this guy. You know, it's yeah. like shit just kind of looks derelict. Like, like my nothing's, truck. <laughs> nothing's put away and, you know, there's not, you know, it's not like what they say, ship shape, you yeah. know, not even fucking close. But you get on Makoto's boat and like everything has a place, everything, you know, it's like you can just tell by his demeanor, like when he's on the boat that he knows his boat, 
he knows how to be on a boat mm-hmm. and he's just very professional about everything like how everything's done everything's very meticulously taken care of and and done and is you know to have his dad there with him helping him out you know with everything just an awesome awesome experience nice like, really really cool i can't wait to go again yeah that's uh yeah i was a little jealous obviously getting getting some of the in-reach messages. And I mean, I had a hell of a time the last time I went down there and just got dropped off. And you guys, I think, actually cruised through where we got, where we were hunting. But uh, yeah, you guys hit it right with the weather being what it was and the snow. Like, we had one day of wind that it was like we were trying to go leave the bay we were in and go to another one. And we went to the outside and it was just fucking rolling, yeah. white, blowing hard. And it was like, no, oh, can't go. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But we did ride the boat all the way, ride on the boat all the way back to Kodiak. And we oh, stopped nice. one night in a place and we, because fox season's still open there. We did yeah. a bunch of calling, tried to call some fox in. Um, and we did a bunch of fishing, caught tons of rock, a whole bunch of real small lingcod, tiny yeah. ones, but which you can't keep them this time of year anyway. Yeah. So we had to let them all go, but rockfish you can keep and those black yeah the black bass whatever. yeah and we caught those I are mean, so good to it was just like those spots where it's just like as soon as the thing's down just fucking yeah, start ripping like, lips pop you know? the ba- pop the bale and let it sink one two three four right stop pop, it because jig something's it already twice got it wham, yeah. yeah and a lot of times already, have it, already yeah. got it in their mouth before you even close your bale yep. you know um so we fished a couple of days um spent the night on the boat again and then in the afternoon of that whatever it was a saturday or something like that we ended up back back in town and um yeah shit was really getting fired up then though i tried to i didn't realize my flight was on a later flight coming back from anchorage to fairbanks and everybody else is like four hours later yeah and i tried to call and change my flight and they're like oh due to all this covid shit yeah that's right when it was was because everybody was just starting to shut shit down yeah. and like things were getting serious um so it took me forever to change my flight I, I was able to change my flight though so we all you know were on the same planes and stuff and all came got back to fairbanks at a reasonable hour um but shit we alaska air cargoed 485 pounds of goat were they were they doing back. the deal again because it seems like the last couple springs they've done a deal where you could, or may, no, maybe it's a not just a time deal, but with a Club Forty Nine, you can air cargo a hundred pounds for ten bucks, or something. We like that. We did four hundred. We air cargoed four hundred and I think it was four hundred and eighty something pounds. Yeah, and it cost two hundred bucks, like two hundred and ten bucks or something That's like that. That's not bad. It shit, nothing, you know. Because nothing, I, yeah. and it's all frozen. It goes into yep. a freezer while it waits. It goes into a freezer when it gets back here. And, you know. Yep. And worst case, you know, if you're in town and you got to wait a day or. It's like still you just, frozen. Well, you can, yeah, yeah, either in air cargoes or, you know, you know enough, like, good folks down there, like, you can find a freezer to throw it in if you had oh, to. yeah, no. Yeah, for sure. So, no, I that's the first time that I've ever, like, done a hunt like that, that I wasn't, um, that I've actually, like, paid to go yeah. and, like, have a boat service and use the boat service and it wasn't guided you know it's like i mean koto's basically a guide but it's like he's just a transporter yep. you know so it's like he 
he can't technically, you know, assist you in any way no. or whatever. He's just taking you from point A to point B and providing you with a the boat is set up awesome. He's got this aluminum box that he's built that he booms onto the back of the boat and lashes it down. Yeah. And it's like a bunk room. You go in there, huh. there's a kerosene heater in there, so you can dry every night you can dry out all your because you're soaked, basically, nice. even if it's not raining. You're plowing through, you know, waist yeah. deep snow and sweating wet. Um, and that's where your, that's the diff. That's like the difference. You know, you can go tent camp on Kodiak and have a hell of a time, but when you can like warm up and dry stuff out and exactly. have good hot food every night, like mm-hmm. that's where it gets to be freaking tits. You know. Yep. So to come back and be able to just you know sleep in a bunk and dry your clothes out, have a hot meal, you know, just be comfortable in general you know it's nice yeah i say that my my sheep hunting each year is my uncomfortable time that's fine that's yeah that's a good 10 to 14 days a year of being fucking you know rolling in nut soup for for a couple of weeks they call it good anything all the rest of the hunts can be they're just in you make them enjoyable as you possibly can and they're that certainly is enjoyable it's really a Really cool setup that he's got that he's got going for that. Um, so, yeah, goat hunting's a lot of fun. Really, yeah. really You've cool. Been. And what was really cool too is that they didn't have one of those icy winters. They had snowy winter. Oh yeah. So, so all the goats' hair was it wasn't really good it wasn't shape. a lot of like broken hair or anything like none at all. Like yeah. none of the goats at all. They all have like like eight inches of hair on them, man. It's unbelievable. They are so cool looking, just like yeah. little fluff balls. Yeah. <clears throat> no, that's cool. Yeah, actually, that just reminded me, I still got those hides ears in the freezer. I need to, they're all prepped. I just got to, we probably, probably ought to pull them out and salt them. Right on. I should have enough salt to deal with most of our bears this spring too. All right. Hopefully. Right on. But, uh. So, yeah, so we weren't, shit, I don't even know how long. We went back. We made some really cool uh, goat breakfast sausage, um, like a maple breakfast sausage that I've been just loving. Grubbing the goats, on that. all the goat that I that I have, all taste awesome. Really, really good. Because um, I know that I think you know people say you can get into a, a pretty gnarly, pretty billy. stinky billy yeah, sometimes. Late, late, probably you know, typically rut time. I yeah, would imagine. You know, it's probably you know, it's the same with a lot of animals uh, that you shoot in the rut. Might get a little, little ruddy taste to them, um, but I don't know how long it was that I was back here, and I don't know who texted me. I think it was Seth, and he was like, "Did you put in for they opened up? They're going to open up the the, the, the caribou, the, the, yeah, the, the forty mile caribou hunt." And I was like, "I had no idea." He's like, "Yeah, they need. They're going to. They want to shoot four hundred more more animals out of the herd this winter before the end of March, and they're going to do it as a draw." So I got online and put in. Not you know, just so I, think, or I think it was my brother-in-law asked me or told you about it to put in. I think or no, who was it? No, it was Seth texted me. I'm pretty sure that said yeah, someone put in, put in for it. And I was like, don't fucking tell anybody. Yeah, that's the same like, thing. Lucky I told you because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I texted you and you're like, yeah, already on it. You know, yeah. So and then you know, a couple so people put, spouted off about it on the. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, whatever. You got ton. You know, there's going to be tons of people putting in, no matter if, who's tight lip or not. It's on Facebook, I'm sure, and everybody knows about it. But it came time for the draw, and everybody's like, "So what's going on? What'd you get? No, nothing, nothing, nothing." I'm like, "I just got an email that says that I drew it." And Nick comes on and says, 
everybody's going to get it because not even 400 people put in for it. And then, I don't know where he's. Where are you getting know, your information, I don't know Mr. Mookie? Where he got his information either because I'm the only one that got the fucking yeah. tag out of everybody that. Well, since then I've heard of two other people. One of my neighbors drew it, and when I was up there hunting, a buddy of mine was driving by and stopped and pulled in. And was like, "What are you doing up here?" I was like, "What are you doing up here?" He's yeah. Like, oh, we got a caribou in the back of the truck. I was like, "Nice, me too," but. I went out, I took Carrie, and we went out to a spot where I've seen caribou in the winter, and it was freaking brutal. It was bad man. weather. Bad it was weather. almost the whole hunt was just horrible weather. It was open for 10 days, and eight of those 10 days were snowing, blowing, just totally Well, the steese was closed weather most of that The majority time. of the hunt, yeah. So I went to a different spot um, that I've seen them in the winter before. And we went out there, and it sucked. It was really cold and really windy and really cold. And I was like, this just sucks. There's just drifts. We're getting snow snow machines stuck. And I was like, we're good. I'm not seeing anything leaving. So a couple of days later, I was like, wow, it's the last day. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be nice. I should probably just cruise up there. I was like, I'm not going to take my sled. I'm gonna, I took a little, like, little toboggan, like a little yeah. kid's sled. It's like if I see him close to the road, I'll shoot one. If not, so be it. It's fine. The one that got away, story. Yeah. <clears throat> so I cruised up there, and Jesus, man, there was caribou everywhere. I personally saw like five hundred head. Man. And my buddy Carl was in an, over the ridge in the next valley, and he's like, "You see him pouring through that saddle up there? That's because we were just back there. I just shot one." He said, "There's like a thousand animals back there." So they came close. I had a 200-yard shop. They wouldn't stop. Did you say you walked and, like, sledded down to your shooting spot? And then, or? No, I walked to the shooting spot. So we were in a spot where one guy went out and another guy, like, got around the herd and just, like, walked him towards this dude and he shot. And then the whole herd, like, ran right to where me and this other guy were. But they wouldn't stop running. And I'm not about to, you know, there's like, it's already, you're trying to get one animal picked out of, yeah. you know, 60 in this little smaller group. And they're moving and they'd obviously been hunted the day before and that day. Yeah. They were just like all over the place. So we were like, wow, we'll go up here. And then they moved by before we could get to them. They'd already like gone by where they were too far and they weren't. They were still moving, so we were like, let's get in our trucks, and we'll drive back down around the road. Maybe they'll cross the road, and we can get off the road and shoot them. So we cruised down, and they weren't off the road, but they were cruising along, and I was just getting set up to shoot. They stopped at, like, 200 yards, and I flicked the safety off, and I was about to shoot, and they started all started running again. Oh. God damn it. Jump up, unload the gun, and he's like, the guy that I was with was like, let's just cruise up here to the top and we'll see which direction they're going before we like get back in our trucks and make a call. So we're cruising along. We get up on this ridge and we're like kind of cruising along. I'm only like 200 yards away from the truck and I'm looking, I'm like thinking they're going over here and all of a sudden I look behind us and I'm like, shit, they're right behind us. They're right there. So we ran up to the top of this hill and there's like two little high spots on top of this knob. He laid down on one, I laid down on the other and I was like, as soon as you're got one that's clear let me know i want to plug my ears i said you can shoot first 
So he shot, missed, and then soon as the another one stopped, the first one that was clear of any other caribou and it was not moving, yeah. I shot it and just fucking sacked the thing. So I was like, well, get ready. You know, they're going to stop again. He's like, nah, I want to go down there, which he made the right call. He was like, I want to go down there and make sure that I, 100% that I missed. So we cruised down. I walked over to mine, pulled my tag out, notched my tag, and he went over and looked and was like, no blood, no nothing. You know, I 100% missed. He looked around for a while, you know, gave it a good once over to make yeah. sure that he 100% had missed. So he's like, well, we can get yours cut up, and then we can go up there. And I was like, fuck that. I was like, get in your truck and go up there. I was like, they're headed up, and they're going over that hill. I was like, you can drive up the highway, park, get in front of them, shoot another one. I can deal with this, no problem. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the trucks. He takes off. I get my sled so I can walk up to where I shot from, and I could sled the 180 yards or whatever I shot get in this kid's sled, and I sledded <laughs> all the way down to the caribou, took a ride down. I was like, by the time I got down there, I was like, holy shit, I'm not going to be able to fucking stop. <laughs> nice, along. like, crusty snow, probably. Oh, man, just like little drifty stuff, so you're just, like, pounding along through all these little snow drifts. It's all hard-blown snow. I'd be that. You, like, kill your caribou, then break your leg right. in a sledding accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I gutted it. I just decided I was going to, instead of quartering it and, like, bringing it game bags and everything, I was just like, I'm going to put it in the sled. I'll take it back. There's enough of the bank where I can just, like, dump the thing right into the back of my truck. Mm-hmm. So I went down, gutted it, and threw it in the sled, and I got, like, three-quarters of the way back up to the little top of the knoll. Yeah. And I hear, and I was like, what the fuck? At first, I was like, what the fuck is that? And I saw him like, that's a helicopter. And I start looking around. I'm like, oh, yeah, there is a helicopter. And I'm seeing it's like cruising along, cruising along, cruising along. And then it turns. And it's just like like I got it on a string. I was like, yeah. as soon as it turned and it's like facing right at me, I was like, oh, I know who that is. That's, yeah. the, that's the troopers. <laughs> They're going to come and say hi to me. So I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's like, who gives a shit? I'm, you know, it's like. I got my tag, I notched yep. my tag, I got, like, there's nothing I'm doing that's not legit. So I was like, this is pretty cool. It's not every day you get a helicopter landing. So they got a sweet little R-44 helicopter, and they come land. So I got bunny boots on. It's slippery as fuck. The last, like, 40 yards to get to the top where they had just landed. So one of the troopers goes walking over. He's like, oh, it looks like you got one. I was like, yep. I was like, could you come down here and give me a hand? These bunny boots are slippery and shit. <laughs> he came down, grabbed onto the rope, and helped me drag the thing up to the top right nice. by the helicopter. And then I could, after we bullshitted for a while, and he checked my license and everything, and then they took off. There was other, you know, they wanted to go check a bunch of other people. But from that point where they were, it was all downhill to my truck, so I could hop on top of the caribou and ride the sled all the way back to my pickup truck. <laughs> it's freaking sweet. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it was good, good deal. So, so yeah, the uh, whole uh, the whole COVID lockdown has been pretty good. A couple of goats, a caribou, bunch of bunch. Yeah, of you're pike. doing pretty good. I was like, yeah, I was, I was kind of. I don't know. It's not. I'm not desperate for it, but it was. Uh, uh, with that little that little bull moose we gone through, and I've still got a fair bit. I got some burger. I still got to grind again and cut to 
and like small package, but I was like, man, it'd be nice to get a caribou. I do. Yeah. You gave me some, some meat from that. That yeah. was nice. It was like, yeah, I just ground it up in a burger. It was, uh, pretty good stuff. But yeah. You're doing freaking good. And then, yeah, like I said, I've been keeping some pike every time we go out and yeah, getting stocked up, ready to put about five bears in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It should be, it should be good. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, you know, there's, everybody's like, this is going to be the best hunting season ever. There's not going to be any, no non-residents are going to be up here. There's not going to be any guides out or anything like that guiding anybody. It's going to just be like open waylay. Yeah. Most of our it's stuff's like, going to be normal. Well, like, that's just exactly what we were talking about earlier. It's like, I don't, I've never on a sheep hunt ever seen a guide with clients. I rarely see people when I'm sheep hunting. Of course, Delta last year, I saw a bunch of people, but they didn't go, you know, they all stopped three or four miles from the road and yeah. turn around and go back. I saw two guys down far enough to actually get into like ram country, what mm-hmm. I'd call ram country. Yeah. And, you know, other than that, other sheep hunts that I've been on, you know, it's like yeah. well, we and ran it's- into Makoto and Steve and Jeremy that time, but not while, like, while we were hunting yeah. at an airstrip, you know, yeah. and it's like, and we all sorted out where everybody was going and stuff like that. So we're not stepping on each other's dicks while we're trying to yeah. sheep hunt. So, you know, it seems like just back to sheep hunting, like we always seem to come full circle to talk about sheep hunting. Yeah. It's the same as anything. If you just go to places where there's not people, you're not going to see people. You yeah. Know? It's simple. Yeah, and and I don't know. It's all speculation. Like I bet you know, asked, "Oh, you heard anything about this fall?" It's like freaking the governor doesn't even know what. Like right. no one How knows what's going to happen make, this fall. Nobody knows. They freaking tried two to shut down from you know, right now. Yeah, you know? and it was, uh, yeah, like the whole, you know, the whole spring bear thing. It was that was a quick on and it off. Was a, it was a quick quick reversal there. You know, I mean, anyone yeah. that says that, like, you know, a bunch of people kind of get you know getting together do you remember the number that nick said it was something like email seven thousand emails in 12 hours or something like that yeah. it was a lot yeah um, i know that i sent one and i know I, that i yeah, signed I sent- that petition and that was like we're trying for 500 signatures and before i could even like click signed it was like we're trying for a thousand we're trying and it was like before i could even get off there was like so many people signing the thing yeah. that it was like it was showing like so and so signed so and so, and it's like if you have a use, you've like put in a username and or whatever, and actually signed this thing, and it was going so fast, it was like you couldn't even fucking read yeah. the people that were signing the thing. Well, and and it was like this, you know, Q and A podcast. I just did one of the one of the questions was like, oh, do you, um, or what was it? I better read it again so i don't like paraphrase it how did right you here. get questions for that oh, i just like a- asked on instagram and facebook basically and like people submit questions and they just email them in, in or whatever so here's a question from me <laughs> how many questions did you have and how many of the questions were from non-residents and how many were from residents i wasn't keeping track but it was a it was a good mix like there was some non-resident stuff in there but there was a lot, mostly residents asking questions. Watch yeah. out. You're going to rip the cord I off would the say, table. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm losing my freaking shit here. Um, where was it? Did you notice all the assets lose their mind when we lost bear season for 24 hours? I'm like, I freaking wasn't super happy well, about it dumb. myself. Yeah, I'll be one. I was one of those asshats. Yeah, I was. I, you know, which just a second. I got to grab this cord. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that question came off wrong, but I was like, uh, I was not super happy or ready to comply with that. No, that um, wasn't a single. And, single and it wasn't person. even a, and it wasn't even a matter of like the, the issue of just, just of only. It wasn't a matter of only being a. Um, I think you know, uh, stepping on our hunting. It's it's also because it was totally unre- unreasonable, really. But in the in the in the defense of the governor, it's like. I think that he misspoke, obviously. I think so, too, yeah. And he quickly, within 24 hours, remedied what he said. And in his defense, I think that what was on his mind, importantly, was probably a little more than bear season. Yeah. You know, I think he had some other fish to fry that were a little more important to him than the fucking spring black bear season that people are yeah. going to be baiting bears. And it's like, I can see where they get, you know, in his defense, I can see where he could have misspoken and, you know, yeah. there's other yeah. shit. You're only seeing, a, you're only seeing a small part a of the picture, amount. you know? Yeah. And you know how much time he probably had. It came across like he was making, having to make it up on the fly is what it came across right. as. So whether that's the case or not, you know, it got remedied and we'll be able to do our thing. You yeah. Know? No, for sure. But yeah, what a pretty interesting time. I'm There's, Jones is I mean, bad now. It's time, time to start stinking. There was baits. I don't remember who who sent me the text, but you know it was like in the in the um, zone of like, hi, my name is so and so, and. I'm an outlaw. Like, going to an AA meeting. Yeah. But it was like, yeah. if you're going to take away bear season. And that's the first thing I thought, too. Yeah. I was like, wow, there's going to be a lot of bear shot this year that uh, are just going under the carpet. If, if this gets taken <laughs> yeah. away from you, tell people that they can't bear hunt. They can't go sit in a tree stand by themselves in the yeah. middle of nowhere yep. and hunt. Then there's going to be a lot of fucking bears that don't get reported this year that get shot. Yep. Which, not saying that there's anything right about that, but... And obviously, it wasn't, and you know, it didn't it's, end up being yeah. the case of what was going to happen. But it was funny to read that and be like, "Oh Jesus, yeah!" yeah imagine how many and people having had it happen on April April Fool's thought. Day, right? It's like the worst, go- like the worst. Well, I sent out a group text. I copied that, like, signed this petition link, yeah. and sent it to like twenty five people, and multiple people sent back to me. Like, is this a funny? Oh, this is freaking April <laughs> Fool's. Yeah, good job. You got me. And I was like, no, for real. Click on the link and read it and like check this out. This is no joke. Yeah. <clears throat> yep, unreal. Yeah. So, nope, all is all is well and all the hunting and fishing can continue on for everyone. Almost everyone. <laughs> well, everyone. Everyone that's a around here, that yeah. lives here, you know. Yeah. So. But there is, there's definitely some some odd little loopholes, like people that just moved here and one of the next buddies. Yep. You know, it's like he's not quite a resident. He's like been he's, here he'll for have like like a while, but yeah. not long enough. You know, he hasn't quite been up here for a year, and it's like that sucks. You know, I mean, it is what it is. You got to be here for a year to be a resident, so. There's yep. no way around it. And it's easy to armchair quarterback and whatnot, but I'm glad I'm not the one that has to be making all the des- decisions. <laughs> oh, because I mean, there's so fucking many decisions to be you made, you know? You can't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Definitely just a weird time, but I freaking am looking forward to 
to shooting some bears, got this muzzle loader built and yeah, smoke at least the grizzly with that and and if we get where you just got me set up with a bunch of bullets for my muzzle loader. It seems like it's going to be a muzzle loading spring. Yeah, I'm still going to recurve at least a couple bears. I hope, but up there, yeah. I mean, it'll probably be. A, it's yeah. I hope it works. I hope it. Mm-hmm. I hope we hit it right, and it's a freaking waylay. Because no, like it should be, and a, then we have like a couple sausage part sausage making days. Yeah, don't call it a sausage. Part. <laughs> no, <laughs> shit. I was immediately like, don't fucking say don't. that. <laughs> Fair enough. Bear stick party. Bear stick party, that's fair enough. Yeah. I ain't playing at no sausage party. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you guys have fun. I'm staying home. <laughs> um, yeah. No, like I was, I was showing you them, like, targets. I'm pretty impressed with how accurate that uh, little patch and ball rifle yeah. is. Yep. No, no doubt about it. It's funny because I go back thinking, you know, my dad's shooting those things for fucking years. And when you started, you know, sending me pictures of your groups and stuff like that, I was like, so what are you shooting? You know, what did you use to shoot that thing out? Because he's got a Hawken that he built. Yeah. And he's got a couple of patch and ball uh, muzzle loaders. Um, But what did I say earlier? He's getting inch groups at 100 yards with his. This is years ago, you know, when he was like getting yeah. was way into it, mm-hmm. and he's he shot a few deer with with patch and ball. Um, he switched now though to a conical. He, he's using it. Well, no, I mean he's using a inline. Oh, gotcha. An inline muzzle loader now. It's just they're they're so much more in the weather and shit. They're just like so much easier to deal with. They're so much easier to clean at night and get yeah. take a take down and. Well, because can't with, you just take like the breech plug out yeah. and, sw- and push them like a regular rifle? Well, no, yeah, you just it's like simple. You just knock the powder out and put the ball out yeah. through the back side of the thing. It's like, bam, done. But you just got me those great planes bullets, which are awesome. So I have a White Mountain Carbine Thompson Center White Mountain Carbine, and they're uh, hollow point, hollow base. So when those fuckers go off, it like flares that base out and it goes right into the rifling and. Man, those things, like, that's yeah. a 100-yard rifle. It's probably a 200-yard rifle, you know, yeah, cause one if thing, you have a good rest and yeah, everything. So one thing I never knew and realized that was, is, and I didn't know, you know, and it makes sense now that I know it, but the different twist rates, like, yours is twisted for those conical bullets, and those are like a 385-grain 50-cal bullet. Yeah. Um, this is the one I built is twisted for patch and ball. Ball, right, which is totally different. And, uh... I didn't realize that I, you know, I never occurred to me, so I never really realized. And it's interesting that that rifling doesn't even really contact the lead ball, so to speak. It's like your patch fills up all the land. Your patch fills up, fills the grooves in the rifling, and that's what puts the twist on the on the ball. And it's really, it's really pretty amazing how freaking accurate the thing. I mean, I've only done minimal shooting with it and shooting like you know just with a volumetric you know powder black powder measure with pirate x i mean shooting like like about an inch group or whatever that was at, mm-hmm. oh, at 50 yards yeah you know i mean not Which not that at all how far are you actually you know you know, with with a patch ball with this like a hundred yards are you gonna shoot well n- not even like when it comes down to actually, you know, go to the range, sure, we'll shoot that thing 300 yards and see yeah. what it'll do, you know. But when it comes down to, like, 
actually taking it out to go hunt with it. Yeah. How far are you actually going to you know, shoot? And the animals you know? you're going to like, uh, like, you know, even a moose is big target, but you're only going to want to shoot that thing at like a hundred yards tops. Right. Um, and talking to Matt, because I've the, talked, there was a guy that was like, hunting that you're going to do this spring. You're not going to shoot more than 15 yards. Yeah. It's like thing. just freaking eyeball the powder dumper in and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, so, and like I've been messing around and, you know, a hundred grains of powder is about, it started to, my groups will start to open up a little bit with a hundred, but I can, it's, it's cool. Cause you can physically hear the velocity difference cause you can hear that ball hit the paper. Yeah. And, uh, and it in the recoil significantly more with that hundred as opposed to nine. Ninety seems to be like a pretty good eighty or ninety is, where, is a sweet spot. I think ninety is what I'm shooting those those uh, yeah. Great Plains bullets with. Those, and, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> but it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, fifteen yards. It's it just and you know, a guy was a guy was talking to. He's like, oh, I don't know about shooting like a big bear with those 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 round balls. You know. They do flatten out, but I'm like, a bear is a, such a soft target. Like, you just oh, have yeah. to, you know, I mean, I would, I'm would. i just going to treat it like a bow shot, you know, take a good mm-hmm. bow shot with it. And uh, Well, my just, dad, I was talking to my dad about it the other night, and he says that none of the deer that he's ever shot with a muzzleloader have gone more than, like, 15 yards. Interesting. They just, like, plow them. Just pile them right up. A lot of me said just fall right over dead. Man, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a fun, uh, you know, like another freaking hobby. They're a pain in the ass to clean and whatnot, but, yeah, you know, slowly learning. It, it was just cool to, like, learn the gun and, like, it was much more fun to, like, build the thing. And now, like, I know the thing in and out mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to just buying, just buying one. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the plan. I have one of those inline ones my dad gave me for Christmas a long time ago. Um, it's like a bone collector or some shit like yeah. that. It's like, I mean, they're like the hot rod muzzle loaders, you know? Yeah. It's like, seems nothing like a muzzle loader. You know, you're using a sabotaged bullet and mm-hmm. chunks of powder you're putting in there. And yeah, <laughs> it, you can stand there in the pouring rain with a thing and not have to worry about it at all. Whereas like, you know realistically so long as you got your barrel tipped down i think with like what your yours is and yeah. like how mine's set up with that little nipple once maybe, that maybe keep your lock if you covered. keep boar butter like enough boar butter on the threads when you put that nipple in there yeah. so that it's sealed and you keep that cap on there and like keep your hammer down over top of that there's really no way that water can get in there to that which would saturate yeah. if you're holding like if you were sitting or like carrying your rifle on a on a uh, sling mm-hmm. and the barrel was pointing oh, up yeah. and it was raining and you were didn't have your barrel taped maybe and you get water maybe water could like push by your you know but still when you jam that shit in there well and those patches like, are lubed and they're wet like it's well and like you looked wax, at those yeah. bullets that i used they're like uh wax dunked almost you see yeah. that white stuff yeah. that's all over them you jam that down in there and that wax is taking up the majority of everything that doesn't. I mean, when it goes off, it flares that that hollow base yeah. out, and it fills up. But until then, the wax is pretty much doing the sealing. So yeah, so long as you keep that barrel down, if you're in rain and any kind of moisture, you know, and you keep that cap over top or keep your hammer down, 
fuck, it's not, you know, you shouldn't get any water in there, really. It's not like you have a flash pan or something and you're using a, you know, yeah. flint that's burning off a pan to, like, go down in through the yeah. hole to burn off, the, you know, to actually ignite the powder. That, I mean, in that situation, those yeah. guys, that's no. a whole different story. You're talking about, like, high humidity you can have problems with those things. Yeah. Well, I didn't ever realize, you know, because I actually took the, like, the Alaska, like, muzzleloader online course, which is just a generic course. And then I got to go, like, to the shoot day in July or something. And then I can apply for muzzleloader-only hunts. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I never realized, like, the different grades of black powder or, like, Pyrodex has the equivalent powders. Like, yeah. it's like 4F is like super fine for priming. Like you'd have a different powder for your priming your pan. Yeah, exactly. That was pretty cool. I thought, um, it's funny where, so where I grew up when you took hunter safety, it wasn't just like a rifle pistol shotgun course. There was a section in there that was all about bow hunting and using bows and there's a whole section in there about muzzle loaders and using muzzle loaders. So they're covering all three bases with one course. And there was actually, when I was really young, we went to this summer camp, my brother and I. Mm-hmm. There was, it's like a week camp, and it's like a, a week long hands on hunter safety course for oh, kids. Oh, that's cool. Where at the end, you do, you shoot bows, you shoot muzzle loaders. You are, like, scored on proficiency and all sort of different stuff. And then to actually pass the hunter safety course, you do the written test and everything. But then you go out and there's, like, the last day is a field day. And you go out and you actually walk a course with an instructor. And they have deer that slide down on, like, wires that run through the woods. And targets that pop up out of the ground and stuff. And you actually have a gun. that's It's not loaded, but you have a rifle. And one of the deer that that runs along the fence, like if you see it when it first starts, you can shoot it. But if you wait all the way to the end, there's like a building in the background in the woods. that They've built this little plywood cutout of like a house or something like that. And it's like points off if you shoot at that deer, you know, before it hits the 50% mark on where it's running across there. And you get all the way to the end and there's like... A quarter of the time, if you've decided to make shots at stuff, you're deducted because those were not either not ethical shots because of the way the animal was facing when you when you saw it on the course or whatever it may be. So you get all the way to the end, and if you've proficiently gone through and done everything right, then they say, okay, you stay here, and they take fucking paint, and they'd go out and they'd make a blood trail through the woods... Huh. And then throw this little jug down on the ground. And then at the end, they make you follow a blood trail. And your passing deal is like finding the, the paint can. Like being able to find, follow all those paint drops to a point where, okay, here's the jug. And that supposedly is the deer or whatever oh, that's the cool. animal may be. you know. But for a kid, that's awesome you know, to actually like go and get hands-on oh, yeah. experience with somebody that's an, you know, an adult instructor. And yeah. do an actual hands-on hunter safety course yeah that it reminds me what you're saying earlier i you know i i had to take one in colorado when i was a kid i think it was like second grade or something like that and they i just i still remember that little alamosa sporting goods store um had it in the sporting goods store in the evenings it was like a big deal i was super stoked 
Um, but I, I remember in, in working on this rifle, like made me think back, remembering like they had some guys that were pretty experienced black powder yep. guys talking about all this stuff. And I remember like a few like specific memories of that. And, uh, uh, my dad was over a while back and said, Oh yeah. Remember that hunter safety course you took? Like, Oh, they had a couple of black powder. Like it was pretty cool. Yeah. Like that stuck out to him too, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty, pretty excited to, to get into it and, and delve around. It's a lot of fun. I mean, like it's pain, kind of a pain to clean them and whatnot, but it's, they're pretty fun to shoot for. Oh, yeah. Fucking smoke pole, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's no seeing what the hell's going on. It's like, you once you pull the trigger on those things, it's like, I mean, I've shot some deer with muzzle loaders, and it's like you pull the trigger, and it's like when Don't. the smoke clears, hopefully it's laying there because if it fucking <laughs> ran off, you weren't seeing it. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's uh, what I, I shot it. I took it out a couple times and shot it. You know what? After I right after I built it, and then, uh, but it was when it was super windy. The first time you yeah, shot it, and. Yeah. And you know, not that, but then the other day I was out um, shooting a couple of these other rifles and uh, brought that out and shot 15 or 20, trying different. I'm trying some different diameter balls. And uh, it was a little windy, like blowing back in your face, but not not near as windy. And I'm like, oh, shit, this thing does throw out some smoke. <laughs> yeah. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like, you know. 11.30, 12, 1 30 in the morning, sitting in a bear stand when it's dead-ass calm. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, just going to be smoke yeah. hanging in there. It's going to fucking light some shit up. Everything around is going to be like, oh, boy. <laughs> they mean business over there now. The <laughs> game's changed. <laughs> Pull the trigger and then just have to listen to where they run, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, so it, you go back and it's like, you, there's always a blood trail to follow, you know? But... I mean, remember the first deer that I ever shot with a muzzleloader. It was like 30 yards or something like that. It's an entry stand. Yeah. December. And I fucking came in. I'd passed the deer up like three different times during rifle season. Yeah. And it came in. It was like the second to last day of muzzleloader season, which in Vermont it runs a rifle season. And then there's a week off and then there's a week-long muzzleloader season. And I had seen that deer a bunch of times. And I was like, man, it's a little one. Yeah. Um, I'll wait for something different, you know? And Come the second to last day of muzzleloader season, I was like, oh, you little fucker. I could see him coming. I was like, bad move. I got my muzzleloader now, and it's getting towards the end. Was this with that he, same rifle you got? Came out, it was with that, that yeah, White, that Mountain. White Mountain Carbine, yeah. Um, he came out and, fuck, just crippling. I shot him, and there's just so much smoke, just dead calm. It was probably like zero, yeah. a couple b- below zero, something like that. So it's just like dead calm and everything hangs there yeah and i'm like looking left and looking right like waiting for him to come running out of the smoke cloud you know and i'm like what happened well maybe he ran straight away from me and slowly the smoke cloud lifts and the deer's laying there upside down with his legs sprawled out to the side like he was waiting for me to just come over and take the guts out of him he literally did a front flip over like i hit him and he went right over and landed on his back like this and was just laying there dead. Didn't even move. Jeez. <clears throat> I mean, that's 385 grain bullet coming out of a 50 <laughs> caliber muzzle loader at 30 yards. That's fucking yeah. devastating. Well, and even these, like, in, on one hand, like, you look at, like, and I just haven't, had never gone there. So you look at, like, a 50 cal round ball, which 
or either, you know, like 0. 0.490 or 0. 0.495. Yeah. Not super impressive. And they're only like, like the 490s are like 178 grains, 177. Yeah. And the 495s are like 183 or something like that. Um, but then, you, you know, you do think about it. Okay, well, that that's like soft lead. Like the what thing's going to. about gonna, when it hits and opens up? Yeah, it's going to like. It'd be cool to be, see one of those balls recovered out of an animal. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, like maybe if you got a hard quartering shot, a moose, I bet you could recover one. Yeah. I know, well, Matt said his dad shot a big bull with a 54 cal, like flintlock with a round ball and said it was like under the skin on the backside. So it passed nearly all the way through. Yeah. That's what my brother shoots a 54 cal. Well, he used to. He's got got an inline now that he uses a lot of time when he's... He doesn't have, they have a shotgun season where he's at. So it goes from bow season to shotgun season to muzzleloader season, but he doesn't use a shotgun. He just uses, once shotgun season starts, he starts using his muzzleloader. Oh, just you uses can, a yeah. muzzleloader right on through all the way to gotcha. the, the end of the season. Yeah. But. No, this, the thing definitely points nice. Like it's, it's a good feeling rifle. Mine's like the Kentucky rifle mm-hmm. kit. So. I always liked the one my dad had. It's got the little on the stock. It's got the little brass door. Oh, the little patch, patch, yeah, patches in there. Keep like whatever, like a couple little doodads or whatever in yep. there. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, I know some of the Hawking kits have those. Yeah, that's one. I'm th- his is a Hawking. That one that has that door. I'm sure I'd be able to like. You could retrofit one. Oh, you yeah, know, you that's kind of things. Like some guys I know. Some guys are, like, big into it. I mean, it's, like, the only th- things they'll buy is, like, the lock and the barrel and, yeah, you make know, like, cast the themselves. butt plates and yeah. stuff like that. That's a little bit beyond my my level of, of yeah. devotion to it at this point, but yeah. um, should be super. It'd be fun. I should probably make one of them someday. I mean, what's the difference? It's just having – it's another gun to have. Yeah. It's just not a big problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, not much, not much of a liability, but no. I did. Well, and we talked about that too on the, uh, on when we were out on the ice. I, I freaking browned this barrel, and we were talking about that because it. Ideally, I think you want to do it in like an oven. Like Matt was like, "Oh, you heat the thing up in your oven." Well, I can't fit this freaking barrel in my oven. You'd have to have a commercial fucking oven to get that in there. Yeah, and, and I didn't realize that the browning was um, like a layer. You know, it's like a. More primitive than a step more primitive than bluing. Yeah, it's just a layer of like oxidation. No, it's um, really cool. I think it looks really neat. It's almost like uh, like camoed almost. The yeah, way it turned out. It's like browned camo. Yeah, it kind of is, and it's just the inconsistency and in where the stuff would run because I did it with a torch. What like, makes that like hold well, that's what are those spots right there? Oh, we're not going to touch the actual. See that and that? Yeah, I think that's um, drip spots or something where it was dripping off and it wasn't like up to ten. I don't know. It's 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 very tough to keep a consistent temperature on that stuff, you know. And obviously, like I'm doing this for the first time, knowing nothing about it with a with a torch. But you heat your barrel up to a certain a certain temperature and, and apply this this um, browning liquid. And it like sizzles and like creates this layer of oxidation. Did you brown 
No, the, the hammer as well. No, the hammer and like and Come, lock were like. I think they're case hardened. Okay, is what it right looks on. like. That like kind of weird blue tint they yeah. have. I think those are case hardened, this, but they came this is like all that. one piece already yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, you don't have to assemble the lock or anything like that. No, nope, a lot of fun for sure. Good stuff. Yeah, muzzle loaders are fun. Does that yep. come out? Does your ramrod come out when you shoot? Does it sl- slip out a little bit? Just a tiny bit, yeah. Yeah. I actually haven't seeded one. I've just used my range rod, like to seed them. I I need to seed oh. some and and mark this. Well, this ramrod when it's empty, it runs all the way in the barrel, like yeah. it's flush with the well, into the barrel. I've never. I always just use a ramrod that comes with the muzzle loader with whatever I have to. I don't use it for anything else. Like I don't have a range yeah. ram or you know range rod or whatever. I just use that one for everything. And I notice that when I shoot, it always comes out. Yeah, not this, a lot. This but one, enough come, yeah. That, <clears throat> this one I reseed it like every 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 shot basically. Yeah. But uh, no, on that like I just bought a freaking and Matt actually suggested to get getting like one of those PVC rods or something. He's like it's it's not really necessary, but. In the winter, sometimes mm-hmm. it's nice to have, you know, in case you they're not as brittle as a as a wood ramrod. Yeah. But. Yeah, man. Shit. It's over. We're done. It's over. I gotta go make some dinner. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah. Good freaking having you over. And yeah, man. Stay away from me six feet. Everything yep. will be cool. Yep. Well, don't touch me. Don't look at me. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> Don't even think about looking. Don't at me. even think about looking at me. But uh, yeah, no, like, I know you're freaking not going anywhere. So, well, you know, I go some places, but most of the time, I just. When go you told me that you had to get all, you got to get all. <laughs> well, before you did, did started doing the drive-through liquor store, yeah. you had to get all. Yeah, if you if you, you're you're getting yeah. a little twitchy about going freaking in the store, drive-through like, liquor store on College Road. Oh man, that's the place to go if you need some beers. But uh, we were we took a walk today this morning, and <clears throat> people were coming at us, and I was like, "How far do you think they're gonna go around us?" <laughs> Carrie's like, "I don't know. It seems like when I go for walks, people like take a wide berth around you when you're walking. Like everybody kind of just parts away from each other." Yeah. And I was like, "What if I start <coughs> <coughs> a couple?" <of coughs> and I start sneezing a lot, and I'm like, "Covid, covid." <laughs> She's like, stop it! They're gonna, be, you're gonna freak these people out. And I was like, what if I start acting like a zombie? She's <laughs> like, somebody's gonna call the fucking police if you don't stop it. <laughs> oh man, it's just so fucking weird out there now. Like, it's amazing. You're like walking, and people are coming at you. If you're going, if you're like on a walk, yep. And people are like, Rip. everybody like. <laughs> breaks it's like there's a freaking island in the middle of a river and you go on either side of the island when you come along to yep. somebody it's freaking just weird yep i don't know at least around here it seems like people are being pretty polite about it and oh, everybody's sure. in the same you know, boat it's whatever and, that's what's helping you know yep. this is why like we've only had no cases in six days in fairbanks yep. you know or seven days or whatever the hell it may be is because people are actually listening and like cleaning their hands and staying away from each other yep so whatever works man yep well yeah until next time i'm looking forward to should be a should be a pretty freaking good spring and hopefully everyone will you know i kind of you know you feel bad just hope everyone that's that's 
there's a lot of people are going to be in a, in a bad situation mm-hmm. pretty shortly if they aren't already. So hopefully everyone yeah. kind of can hang in there and get by and yeah, for sure. Worry about what you can control and yeah, don't worry about the rest because don't help. Yep. All right. Well, not to bring us down on a. <laughs> Anyway, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It's been it's been a rough rough little bit lately. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoy if you enjoy the podcast, uh, appreciate if you leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And uh, if you have any questions, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. Thanks. <laughs>